Earlier this week, the Lord just uh, showed me a pair of handcuffs, and that's one of those times when God just did that, and then he stopped, and you know, so it ain't like you know you're going to have like this chapter and verse and a thought. It was just handcuffs, and you know, Tuesday rolled around, Wednesday rolled around, and um, you know, I don't, I don't question the Lord, but I, I wonder like everybody wonders. Thursday night when Pastor Tim uh, was speaking, he said um, the message tonight titled "Arrested by God." I heard the word "arrested," and I thought, "Well, thank you, Lord. You." At least let me hear something that's kind of, uh, I guess, kind of uh, in the same line of, of what those handcuffs were all about. And then it, it would be later. It, it wouldn't even be Thursday night, but it would be later on that God would take me to the book of Philippians. And to be honest, he probably just, reminded me of the Apostle Paul. If, if you have your Bible or something, you want to turn to Philippians 1, you can. While I'm just telling you that, that in, in the day and the hour that we're living in, by the way, I, I, you've heard me talk about uh, everything from a, a Jewish Shemitah cycle, which is a seven-year period that starts all over again. Well, today is the new year called Rosh Hashanah, it, it actually starts from sun up, I mean sun down to sun up, which would be about uh, 6 p.m., uh, somewhere around right now is when that would start, or tomorrow. It's a two-day thing. God's done a lot of things during that time. And so that got me to thinking more about going home and the rapture and the longer uh we live here day by day, the more I'm just convinced uh, on every front. That's where we need to be looking because the Bible said that, but that's, that's what we ought to be doing in terms of preparation, just looking at what God said people ought to be doing. He told us what the world would be doing, but so many times in the Bible, God told us, and Paul lived every day of his life, in, he lived in obedience to the Lord once he was converted. But Paul also spent a lot of his time uh, preparing, preparing to go home. And so we're going to start in Philippians because I, I, I want to finish like Jesus finished. I want to finish like Paul finished. And notice the word finish there. That means it, it, their mission was not uncompleted. You know that, that Jesus actually said it is finished. But Paul made the statement that's become a, a very well-worn verse that just says, I've fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished my course. And so we're going to look at verse 12 and verse 13, and then we're going to jump all the way down to verse 21. Because I know that anybody that's got your mind on heaven, and you ought to because the rapture is the next greatest event about to take place according to this book right here. But I want you to know, brethren, and he's talking to the saints in Philippi. He said, I want you to know, brethren, that the things 
which happened to me because he's incarcerated, as a matter of fact, have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard, the place where he was uh, being held, and to all the rest that my chains are not the chains that people are seeing wrapped around my ankles and feet in this prison or in this cell, but actually everybody around, including the guards, have seen that my chains are in Christ. And down in verse 21, you know this scripture. Paul says, for me to live or to, for to me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. And then over in Philippians chapter, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 2, Paul said, for through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place to God in the Spirit. Chapter 3, verse 1, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you, Gentiles. And I want to just stop and pray over us hearing the word and any and every need that's in this building are being represented. Father God, I thank you for this word. It's seed going forth. And Lord, if, if you don't preach, there will not be a message. Lord, if you don't open our hearts and our ears, help us to be so determined and intentional right now, there will not be any reception of the seed. And so, Lord, there will not be any gathering of fruits and harvest. So, Lord, I ask you, Holy Ghost, to just do what you desire to do today. And I pray, Lord, over every person that is sick in their body, the people, Lord, who are God at a crossroads in life, whether it's through sickness or whether it's through some, some sort of turmoil, God, that may have faced in the world, I pray in the name of Jesus. And God, and I ask you not only to heal and touch and give peace, but I pray for Israel, and I pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And all of God's people said, Amen. Now, if you were in the book of Romans chapter 7, you would hear Paul saying these words. Therefore, verse 4, by the way, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. Paul had started out by talking about marriage in the sense of a husband and a wife and that they were bound to one another until death would separate them and he was using this to talk about the law that people 
before Christ was bound to the law. But now that, that Christ has made a way through his blood, God through his love for mankind, he has made a way through Calvary for us to not only know Jesus, to not only know about God, but actually to be married to, to somebody else other than the law, religion, to be married to Jesus Christ, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit. You know, we pray it every Sunday. Verse 5, he said, for when we were in the flesh, that's what the law was all about. For we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. You know, when you did things, because the law of reaping and sowing, it never changes. It's always in full effect. It's in full force, by the way. Whether it's something positive and good and godly that you're sowing, or whether it's not, you're going to reap either way if you sow. That's the law. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit. So now we're not banking on our flesh anymore. We're not just doing what a lot of people are doing in the world. Uh, certain denominations just base everything right off of works. But he says, we don't have to do that because we're married to Jesus and we are not only led by the Spirit, but we, we serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. And then verse 7 says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law, for I would not have known about covetousness unless the law has said, you shall not. Now, you don't have this next verse, but I feel led to read this. Verse 8, you shall not covet. Verse 8 says this, but sin, this is important, by the way. Thank you, Holy Spirit. But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire, for apart from the law, sin was dead. I was once alive without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin, taken occasion by the commandment, deceived me and it killed me. Therefore, the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. So, I just want to just stop right here where I am. Because when you are in this world, even as a Christian, you're going to be faced with temptation every day of your life. There's some people, I, I know preachers that want to be super spiritual and they want to be so godly. You know, there's an old saying that uh, I, I've heard a long time, especially since I was in Bible college. So I didn't come up with this, but it said, you know, you, you meet some people that are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. And so what that means is so many people put on airs and they, you know, and it's, it's, it's really dominant in, in, in today's in today's pulpits, but people just have a form of godliness and, and they don't take God's word serious. They don't take God serious. And, and what we all have to watch out for, because we are faced with temptation every single day of our life, we have to understand this is the devil's job. I didn't know I was going to share this right here today. 
but I'm going to share it right now. And Angie and myself were talking about this because I heard this in a message uh, weeks or months ago. I want everybody to understand, because you are a Christian doesn't mean that you are void or you are, uh, like, protected from temptation. You're not protected from temptation. That's the devil's job. That's why we walk in the newness of the Spirit because the tempter is out there. He's roaming to and fro, seeking whom he may devour through temptation. You know, I told you he can't make you do anything, but he can sure tempt you and stay on your heels until you give in unless you understand I'm walking in the newness of the Spirit, and I won't give in to that. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. So the devil knows this. But do you know that all of us in here, we have things to do every day of our life, even if it's nothing but sit home and rest. We got something to do. And I want you to know Satan, on the other hand, he has absolutely no other thing to do. He don't have to work for a living. In fact, you are his job. He don't have to plan a vacation. He don't have to balance a checkbook. He don't have to go buy groceries. He don't have to get the oil changed in the car. He don't have to get the grass cut outside. He don't have to rake leaves. He don't have to take out trash. He don't have to go and make sure that the taxes is paid. He don't have to do a thing. In fact, from sunup to sundown on mine and yours, watch. All he has to do is figure out a way he can get access and he can get in there and he can cause you to maybe think about something or maybe try to analyze something. Is this really right or is this wrong after all? I see more and more people doing it and it must be all right. So see, he, he even tried to trip up Jesus Christ with the Scripture, but you can't trip the Word up with the Word because Jesus Christ was the Word. And so Satan, he don't have any other thing to do. He don't have to try to impress anybody or influence anybody. All he's got to do is get with the demons and say, now look, I know that they're vulnerable in this area right here. I know this is a weakness in their life. I know that they're prone to bend and bow in this area right here. That's all he has to do. So he will paint that thing, he will build it up, he will make it fluffy and comfortable, or he will make the aroma so strong that you cannot resist it. That's all he has to do is invest time and minutes and seconds and months and spirits and demons to us to try his best to get us to get our eyes off of Jesus, to try to get our eyes off of looking up because it's our redemption that is drawing out and not. We are the ones, after all, not the world, that is married to him. We are the one that he's about to call his bride home. We are the bride. We are the remnant. We are the church. So all the devil has to do is try his best to get me and to get you to look and see. Well, it's not really that bad. You ought to go on and do it. After all, you work hard. You're entitled to it. And, and people will understand, nobody's going to think bad of you. Or one of my favorite to not like is nobody else is looking. Nobody else will know about it. Well, you tried it with a teenager. You know, Joseph one time, he said, your master's gone. All the servants gone. And here's this beautiful woman right here. She's about to make a pass. He put it in her mind. She came and made the pass. But he said, I can't do that to my God. Nobody was looking. Nobody will know about it, Joseph. Come on. You know 
that I've been hitting around flirting with you for a long time. He said, I can't do it to my God, but I can't do it to my master that's, that's trusted me with all this. I can't do that. And, you know, he ran and he paid for it for the next several years because he did the right thing. So just because you're living in a world where you make righteous, right decisions and they don't work out the way you think they ought to, never, ever, ever let the devil tempt you with good-smelling food or never, ever let the devil tempt you with things that just seem to be passive and okay because the God that me and you serve, he's the same yesterday, today, forever. And you know what? What God said, he meant it. And just like what I said earlier, whatever you sow in this world is what you're going to reap. So if you sow righteousness and you say, I'm not going to do it, I'm just going to trust God, this is hard and my flesh is about to die right now, I don't know what else to do. If you just sow righteousness, you know what God's going to do? He's going to let you reap righteousness. He's going to bless you. If you are faithful in the small things, if you're faithful in the little things that seem to be insignificant, don't you worry about it. You're trying to finish your course, and God knows that. He's got a house waiting on you. He's got a streets of gold for you to walk on. He's got gates of pearl for you to walk through. Don't trade it now, church, because it ain't worth it. If you will sow seeds of righteousness, just do the right thing. If it gets you in prison or it gets you in a way you don't like and all that, just know that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. He is. Now, one of the problems we have is that in this world, there's a lot of things, even as Christians, I told you, are temptations. And one of the things that the devil will tempt you with, it might not be Potiphar's wife, but the devil will try his best to say, hey, listen, I'm going to tempt you. He might tempt you with your work, but you know what he also might do? He might tempt you while you're at work. He might do that. It, it might be that, uh, and you know, anytime we say this, we always think in terms of, of sexual temptations. Well, no. He might tempt you to lie, cheat, steal. He might, listen, uh, he might tempt you to buy something that you know stolen from a, a, a co-worker or something like that. Or, or he might tempt you at school or something like that. So what the devil tries to do, he knows you were in the world, and, and I just, I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and kind of get to the, to the subject here. Satan knows that everybody in this church, everybody in the world, you are handcuffed to something. You are. You, you might say, well, no, I, I like this, or, uh, you know, that's not, you, 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 you are handcuffed to something. I'm handcuffed. You are. You can say, well, no, it don't have power over me. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost does not lie. All of us, and I mean all of us, and all of us outside this church, you are strapped to something. There is something in your life that you won't say no to. There is something that you will say yes to above everything else and everybody else. They, they, there's something else. And you know what? It might not be that that's necessarily a big deal for you, but, but it might be that, well, you know, Opie, I, I, I do a lot uh, 
in the mornings as far as uh, getting up. And I, I don't really work, but I, every day of my life, I, uh, you know, I, I, I'm just worried. I'm worried because I, I want money to really to do something, and I'm going to bless the church one day. Yes, I am. I'm going to bless the church. And uh, so what happens is, is we might not be, we might not really be strapped to work. We might not be handcuffed to work, but, but it, it might be that, that we just love material things, or we love money, or we love the thoughts. And, and there's a lot of people that are wealthy that have this problem, but you can be broke and be obsessed with a dollar bill. I know a lot of people that are broke, but they are, they are obsessed with money. They're, they're obsessed with holding money. They're obsessed with getting more money just to hold even longer. I'm not talking about being a wise steward, so don't, don't let the enemy rob you right now. But that's something that they will... Tell everybody and everything else and God in his word and time in his word. They'll tell him no because they are cuffed to it. They're cuffed to it. And it might not be that, but it might be you and your image. It really might be. Everybody's got to know you. And it might be, you know, as my daddy used to say, he's ugly as homemade sin. I ain't never seen what homemade sin looks like. But I imagine it could be really ugly. But, and it might not be that the person's beautiful to look at. And that's a prop. And I hope there ain't no junk in that brush because I grabbed it. If you want to see what a dorm room looks like, you just walk back yonder. Listen, and I should have I probably checked that out before I ran that thing through my head. But, <laughs> Lord, if I go to itching, y'all, I hope it's the spirit. I really do. But I want you to know this. It might not be that it's, it's just your image, and so I'm going to do it like that. It might not be that. But it might be that, that you've got to be noticed. It might be social media, or it might be in town, or it might be in your community. Yeah, everybody, you live with a cheers mentality. Everybody's got to know your name, or they got to know what you think. And so you post it, post it, post it, or you put it out there and you advertise it. And so that's what you're strapped to. You, you are first, and everybody else falls under that. You are first. And what we read in this Bible a while ago was, look, I've died. In fact, Galatians 2.20 says this. I've been crucified. This was Paul. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. And I didn't plan to preach this today because Paul is here. It just worked out that way. Maybe Paul will remember this if nobody else does. Because he's hearing his name a lot. But I want to tell you this. I have been crucified with Christ. Paul said, so it's, it, it's not about me making tents anymore. It's not about the money I used to make and the things I used to buy. It's not about my image anymore. He said, I've been crucified with Christ now. And it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me. And there are some people that say, uh, you know what? I'm not really struggling with that right now. But you know what? You, you are struggling with maybe, just maybe, and this last one, oh, this is terrible right here. And it takes a little while to get it fixed. 
because it's so bad. And it's so big, too. And so I'm going to have to help. But now, you are strapped, and everything in the world weighs you down now. And do you see what happens after a while? If you stayed handcuffed to things other than Jesus Christ, it does exactly what the Bible says it'll do. It'll start weighing you down, and it gets cumbersome. It gets awkward. Your priorities are not all over the place. They're not anywhere except for in this right here. And you are strapped to something that's got death, everything. The Bible says what me and you have to do. We have to understand. Well, let me tell you in the way of a song because you might even remember this. The Bible says, listen, if you've got chains or handcuffs, listen, he's a, he's a chain breaker. And what you've got to do, you've you got to say, Lord Jesus, I'm, I'm through with all of that. And there must come a time, and it takes a little bit work. It takes a little bit of time. But there comes a time when you say, Lord, no. And this is what God's trying to teach the pastor here. You, you got to just stay handcuffed to the pulpit. You got to stay handcuffed to the Word of God. You got to keep your eyes in the Word because you can't feed if you ain't been to the grocery store. You can't do it. I don't care how much you know and what kind of sermon you can recycle or you can recite what some other pastor said. If you're going to give fresh bread and fresh word to people at multitudes, you're going to have to be chained to me. You're going to have to be handcuffed to me. You're going to have to be handcuffed to my word. You're going to have to be handcuffed. You're going to have to be chained to me on your knees in prayer. There is a way that seems right, Pastor. But the end is destruction. And what I want us to all hear today is that the devil will try his best to give you every justifiable reason why you need to stay handcuffed to this, why it's important. He'll give you the reasoning behind it. He'll tell you you can't live without it or they can't live without you. But he's the father of every single lie that's ever been told or known or that you've given into or that, God forbid, but we've told ourselves the devil is the father of all lies. And he knows all he's got to do. It's like people say about crack. All you got to do is get somebody to do it one time and then you can get them hooked for life or some other kind of drug. He knows that if he could just get me to taste sin just a little bit or maybe to get me to taste lukewarmness a little bit, I'll get handcuffed to it and then he's got me. But let me tell you, we are fools, Paul said, for Christ's sake. So when you strap and you chain and you cuff to Jesus, you're not messing up in God's eyes, the world's going to call you foolish. Hey, why are you going to church? Hey, why are you doing this for God? Hey, why do you pay tithe? Hey, why do you pray? Hey, why do you go to revival? Hey, why do you volunteer? Hey, why do you come on Wednesday night? Why do you do this? Why do you do that? They're not going to understand. The fools in this world do not understand Christian fools because we are fools for Christ's sake, and it just don't make sense. But you got to remember, church, that you 
are on your way home. There's no reason why outside of the will of the Father that the trumpet could not sound right now and the dead in Christ be raised and all of us that are, remain, that are alive and remain will be called up together. There's no reason why the trumpet couldn't sound right now, tomorrow, Tuesday, anytime. We don't know the day nor the hour, but we do know this. This is wedding season, and I'm telling you, married, 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 married is what you are if you belong to Jesus. And you've got to start thinking like a husband, like a wife, but only in a holy way because we're about to be married and go to the best reception in heaven that man's ever known. We can't even think about it, the Bible says. It's so big, it's so good. You can't even visualize what it's like. In church, listen, everything here is going to burn up and blow up and die anyway. Why do people insist on living in a temporary world, being chained to things, being changed to your image. I don't know who in the world I may be talking to. It may be somebody online right now that might watch this later. So I want you to understand online, if this is you, that there is nothing in this world worth losing your soul over. There is no image that you've got to keep up but one image, and that's the image of Jesus Christ being seen through you. When the Father looks at people that have been born again, people in this church that given their life to Jesus Christ, he doesn't see them anymore. He took me, he took you, and he said, okay, I'm going to take you, and I'm going to bury you at the cross, and I'm going to put my son inside of you. And now when I look at you, I don't see you. I see Jesus Christ, my son, that gave his life for you. And why in the world would you live for an image that's not going to get you to glory? Why in the world would you live for an image and live in a world that's so vain and full of itself when all it's going to do is bring attention to you and a lot that's not going to amount to anything. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. So if I'm going to be chained, if I'm going to be handcuffed to anybody or anything, I've made my mind up in the past six days, God, I'm going to be handcuffed to you. I'm going to be handcuffed to the word. I'm going to be handcuffed to prayer. I'm going to be handcuffed to the cross. And Lord, every single time, it seems that the devil's coming in and he offers me things. I'm just going to remember that I belong to Jesus. I'm his son. He's my daddy. It's his heaven that he's made and his glory, hallelujah, that I am to show forth in this world. Can I tell you this? That, that I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to do what the Lord just had me to do. You, you all know this. I've been working on this with Beckham for quite a while. He's about half to three-fourths of the way through it. And I want you to listen because you know it by heart. But I want you to listen today. Because what the Spirit of the Lord is laying on my heart right now to just relay to all of us is that why would you not want to stay handcuffed to a God who is all and can do all for you? Listen to this. This was another man that understood this, especially in the end. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. 
He leads me beside the still waters. Hallelujah. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, and this is why. You are with me. How can you say that? Because when you know, when you know who you're handcuffed to, you can say it and proclaim, for you are with me. Work's not with me when I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death. Image is not with me when I'm going through. Money's not with me. The cares of this world, they're not with me. But who I'm handcuffed to is with me. He's the one that can save me. He's the one that can lead me through. He's the one that can take me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear no evil because he's with me. And he's got great ways of taking care of me. Your rod and your staff. Both of them comfort me. One is for correction. One is for rescuing. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Can I just say that for a minute? Shepherds, know that you've heard it, just bear with me. Shepherds know that when sheep are ornery and hard-headed, sometimes they'll get from just being rambunctious and all, that they will are running into a barbed wire fence. They'll, they'll begin to get a sore and an open wound on their head. And they know that if they don't rub oil on their head, that they have, that flies will get there, bugs, insects will get there. And they will begin to, to nest on top of that, that wet, bloody uh, spot right there. And, and they will they'll do this. They will plant eggs, lay eggs, and the eggs will hatch and get inside of the mind of a little precious sheep. And it will literally drive the sheep crazy. And you serve a God that says, if you'll stay handcuffed to him, he will anoint your head with oil every day you live. And when that old booger comes in and he tries to get up there and hatch stuff in your head that will drive you crazy, he will find out that there's been a gate, there's been a wall of the anointing of God that's been put on you and been put over you and no weapon formed against you will prosper or prevail and you won't walk in this world out of your mind but you will walk through this world with the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. My cup runs over. See, you can get yourself to a place where your cup will run over. If you will allow God to anoint your head with oil, how does he anoint my head with oil? Well, you got to just get detached from that, and you got to get cuffed to him. And see, in prayer and in the word of God, yes, in just silent 
room reading word of God and praying and seeking his face, God will saturate you and God will anoint your head with oil. And when your head is protected, it's going to protect your mind. And your mind's at a place where we talked about this just in the past 24, 48 hours, that your mouth can bring forth the praise that it is to bring. But if your mind is carried away because the enemy's got in there and we've not done the maintenance or the due diligence and we've worried about the world, we've worried about work, we've worried about image, we've worried about money, we've worried about everything, then our mind is open and exposed and the devil gets in there and now we're busy, we're all running, all all over the place and we're getting nowhere and we're robbing God of the glory that's due his name but if you will stay hooked and chained and tied and cuffed to Jesus Christ you'll stay in the word of God you'll stay in the house of God you'll stay in the prayer room of God and you give God everything that you have about you until God calls you home your cup will run over and then you'll find out that surely Goodness and mercy, surely. That means absolute, positively, surely. Goodness and mercy will follow me. All the days of my life, and here's the worst part for a lot of people, because this is a promise people hadn't kept until now. A lot of people, they're good on the first Six and a half verses. It's that last part where the line is drawn. Are you ready for it? Are y'all sure you're ready for it? I don't want to read it. I'm, and I'm serious. I'm not trying to be dramatic up here. I'm, I, I don't want to read this if you're not ready for it. So, church, are you ready for it? Huh? You are? Anybody else besides these people? Anybody else? Y'all ready for it? Okay. Okay. That's all. First part again. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So that means, Hebrews 10, 25, as you see the day approaching, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves. I know, you probably liked it until now. But I'm in preparation mode, church. If I can't prepare you, I'm no good. I am no good. I need to go back to making signs or doing something. Can't cut grass because it'll kill me. But... I need to do something else. But I can't tell you. How can you go to heaven? How can you go to heaven where the tabernacle of God is if you can't consistently dwell in the house of God now? And I'm not fussing because I, I, I was so, so, so Proud of the church the way you supported this week. 
I've heard everything. We've all heard. They've heard in classes. They've heard in student ministries, children's ministries. We've heard. Why? Or gotten word. Why people can't come, don't come, won't come. And can I tell you this? Because I'm not being judgmental. If your relationship is one that says I'm handcuffed to Jesus, if your relationship is, you're going to love all six of those verses right there. Amen? Amen. These are the things that I'm preaching right now. I know they're not appreciated. I know people don't like it. I know people think I'm singling them out. But I'm telling you, we have about 30% of the congregation that participate midweek every week. About 30%. And this is the things that the devil tries to throw me under the bus. And he'll put things in my mind. and He'll tell me, I don't, I don't really care about me, but I'm just telling you. Sometimes it's easier to walk around with a cast on or a shoulder sling than it is to walk around with the devil having demons sitting on top of your chest for hours and days. Just because you're doing what you think. God's having you to do. So I'm not telling you anything. If I, if, if, if I wanted to make life easier, I'd just say, hey, y'all, look, we, live, we just got to get, get along and love everybody and help, help the world. And I'd leave stuff wrong. But look, I'd rather see you in glory. I'd rather see you in glory than to know you're left. I'm not even getting to hell yet. I'd rather see you in glory than to have any idea not to be 1,000% sure every person in this church that you're not going to be here during the tribulation. I can't spend enough time. I can't show you enough video. I can't read you enough Bible verses or to show you enough charts and graphs and all kinds of things of what the tribulation's like because the Bible said there's never have been a time since then, and there never will be another time. Since the world began, what will be during those seven years? It's going to be worse than high gas prices. It's going to be worse than uh, COVID and all the other things that's being shared with us and all the other things. See, I don't want to get lost here. But all the things that are going on in the planet, around the world, all the time, just because people are of the devil you haven't seen anything yet church and I can't spend a lot of time because my words are inadequate to tell you what it's going to be like because I don't know but if God himself says there's never been a time and there's been a time when uh, during the Holocaust and I can't even get it all out and world war I got to watch out with those W's all the wars that went on and all of the disease and all the famines and all the floods and all of the hurricanes, all of the weather type things that have devastated and taken life. None of these things compare. What's going on in Minneapolis and all over the world right now, it is unreal 
what sin is like now, but it is no comparison to what it's going to look like the moment that the bride of Christ, that remnant, the restrainer is removed. There is no way for any man to describe to anybody what it's going to be like. So I've just figured out, since I can't tell you how bad and awful it's going to be, I'm just going to stick and try to tell you what we need to do not to be here during that time so we can go home. And this week, God said, just tell them to stay cuffed to me stay cuffed to me don't stay cuffed to this stay cuffed to me I'll get you home God said follow me look up I'll get you home I'll get you there I know the way home and I made home and I made it just for you can you stand if you will please a lot of times in law enforcement all of us have seen pictures when somebody's arrested, their hands are always behind their back. They're, they're arrested and they're cuffed and they're usually put in a patrol car and taken and processed because they're not doing that on their own will. But this is what the Lord just shared with me. When you come to the Lord and you say, Lord, listen, I, I've just been cuffed to it, them, that, all that. But I haven't really 100% been cuffed to you. I've been, I haven't been cuffed to really diligently reading your word and praying. I hadn't I hadn't been cuffed to church. I ain't even gonna play with it. I hadn't been. I ain't been cuffed to that. I hadn't been dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord wants to know if we'll just either commit or recommit only being cuffed to him about what I feel like is the is the final hour. And see it was behind your back somebody was forcing you that wouldn't be on your own will and on your own accord but if you, if you just come to the Lord and say Lord willfully I come Lord I've been arrested by your word Lord the spirit I'm coming willfully and I'm giving you me I'm giving you me Lord I'm holding on. We used to say the horns of the altar until you heard. But, Lord, I, I'm holding on to the foot of the cross, Lord. I'm holding on to your word, your promise. You said anybody that comes to you, you will in no wise cast them out. So today, how many people just want to say, Lord God, not my, my way. Years ago at an FCA banquet, uh, was it, I, I don't know if it was Bobby Richardson, but was it your, and we did it at Men's Fellowship here. Your will, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. That was it, wasn't it, Bobby? Some of you men may remember, we even made some stickers and we put them on our cars way back then. And that's what this is today. God, I'm recommitting because I believe. Now, if you don't believe in the soon return of the Lord, I doubt very seriously you're going to be a, a, a true participant, all right? I mean, if you really believe that the, it, it's imminent and it, it can happen at any time, but I believe we're all over the time. And you just want to say, Lord God, 
I'm making a brand new the 25th of September, commitment all over again. I'm committing to you that I'm going to be cuffed to you, Jesus, above everybody and everything. If that is you, and you know you can mean that with a pure, good, holy conscience, would you come to this altar anywhere around it and say, Lord, here I am. Can you play Elevate uh, Available or whoever? I, I don't know if you can get to that song, but that, that, that's on my heart right now. Anybody in this building or on, on, online right now, you just need to say, Lord Jesus, I'm coming to you willfully right now. And I give you my life. I give you my sin. I give you my heart. I have been cuffed to so many things. I've been cuffed to my anger, my addiction, my pain, my past. But Lord, I come to you and I, I ask, forgive me. I give you my life. And I'll follow you the rest of my days. You are my Lord and Savior. Pray that from your heart. I just want you to worship for a few minutes, church, while you hear this and while you pray and you commit. This next part is so important. You can hide. 
you lead me. God leads us when we're cuffed to him. And when we're, cu- when we're cuffed to anything else, it drags us along and leads us somewhere. And this week, when we leave this church, I pray that every person here, you're led, you're led by the Lord. You're drugged. Yeah, I said drugged. You're drugged by the Lord everywhere because this world has taken us and just ran us through the mill long enough. And so when you leave today, leave praising the Lord, leave cuffed to the Lord, and make your mind up, God, as long as I'm alive and there's church, I'm going to be in church, I'm going to be a student of the word, I'm going to be faithful in my prayer life. I'm going to be faithful in my worship. I'm going to be faithful in my giving. I'm going to be faithful, Lord, because I want to finish my course. And don't forget, we'll be back over at the other campus. Unless the Lord calls us home, then we'll be at the best campus. Wednesday night, we will. And uh, our, our revival served in place of our end-month prayer. So, Father God, we love you. And I thank you for your word today. I pray that we'll be faithful. I pray, God, we'd all finish strong. Anoint us. Lord, we are weak, but you are strong in us. And you're able to help us and work through us, Holy Ghost, to complete our course, Lord. Help us, Lord, not to be discouraged. Help us not to give up. Help us to fight the good fight because the enemy is going to work 24-7 on a new plan to try to destroy us. But greater are you that sent us than he that's in the world. Let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. The people.